Yo, 365, good morning. This beautiful it's a Saturday morning for those of you who are literally up to date with every single episode. Today is the 29th of January. We are looking at chapter 6. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, yes, chapter 6 of The Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, technically episode 18 since we started this journey of the podcast on the 13th of January. And heads up, we're already halfway through this book. We're already through halfway through our second book of the year and we're still in the month of January, which means it, in the first week of February, we'll be done with book two, giving us three more weeks to finish book three in the second month of the year. So we're doing very well, staying committed to this journey of one chapter a day because we only know what we know and to get better, to do better, to operate at a better level, we need to know more. All right. So yesterday's chapter again was, you know, I'll give you a quick recap, but I think we'll, we're getting to a place where most of these podcast recordings are back in the morning where I'm fresh, ready, more energetic than I am at the night time. And that's because, um, uh, and if you're a trader, just pay, pay particular attention, please, to our YouTube channel this weekend. We've got our live war room happening tomorrow, Sunday, but I'll also do a pre-recorded war room today, God willing, if there's time. And, and, and you know, this whole week when I was recording at night, the mornings were quite hectic. We were trying to move most of our corporate funds in and around the stock market crash uh, in anticipation for what the FOMC did, which is kind of like fairly predictable based on tapering. But yeah, I'll have an entire video around what Powell said, what the markets are doing. And I'll also be looking at how the crypto markets are adjusting, what to look out for. But if, if you're a you know, a consistent follower of the war rooms, you'll notice that everything that we predicted three weeks ago is still playing out, right? So back to today's reading, Saturday, we are looking at chapter six. And just a recap, yesterday, you know, in, in, in the story that we're looking at, and I know, I know the momentum is a little bit slower because of the, the way I've been reading this thing and the English is old school, but please do not let that uh, stop you from gaining, you know, as much knowledge as you can. This is a phenomenal good book. If I'm not doing justice to it, please get a copy for yourself, right? A lot of the stuff I, 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 I got to know came from specifically this one book, all right? So yesterday's chapter, our card sends his son away. He's like, listen, man, I'm not going to give you my inheritance. I know I'm the richest man in the world, but I can't just give that to you, even though you're my son. You need to show that you have the ability to multiply, maintain, and sustain wealth. Because if I just give you that without that skill set in your life, you're going to blow all my hard work. And so our, uh, the son went away for like 10 years. And then upon his return, um, 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 he's, he, he explains what happened to him, which is actually very normal in most investment journeys. The ups and downs, you know, the pits and the falls, the poor investments and losing money and the regrouping the, for the traders, the constant balance between small growths and blown accounts. Small growths and blown accounts is a common thing, um, um, but it's the persistence and also learning about the laws of gold. So in yesterday's chapter, we then covered the five laws of gold. Number one, gold cometh gladly and increasing quantity to any man who will put not less than one-tenth of his earnings to create an estate for his future and that of his family, the 10% rule. The 10% rule is the first law of gold. The 10% rule is the first cure to, to a lean purse in the previous, previous chapter. So this is a theme. This is a theme. Do what you have. You want a big tree? You don't plant a tree. You plant a tiny seed. 
the 10% rule is the oldest law of wealth creation. It is like if you're, if you're religious and you're a Christian, right, right, bring you the two to my storehouse, don't rob me by the tithe. The tithe is 10%. It is the surest way of perpetual wealth. Remember, you want to increase the law of perpetual increase from this book that we did, you know, in episode, uh, in season one of the podcast, The Science of Getting Rich, right, the story of the advancing man. So it is absolutely crucial that we follow law number one. It's the end of the month in January. Follow law number one. Start putting 10% away. Number two, gold laboreth diligently and contentedly for the wise owner who finds it profitable employment multiplying even as the flocks of the field so make sure you know where you're putting your money gold clingeth to the protection number three of the cautious owner who invests it under the advice of men wise in its handling so keep 10 percent away make sure you invest in it number two make sure that you find a way to make it profitable to multiply it. and the best way to do that is through number three finding counsel of men who actually understand the way to do it so don't go ask what's what's the best crypto to buy from someone who just joined crypto yesterday you know you, you all of you are going to be lost in, in, in what we call meme coins or shit coins right so number four gold slippeth the way from the man who invests it in business or purposes and which he is not familiar or which are not approved by those skilled in its keep so where you keep your money matters how long you keep your money that matters who you keep your money with matters nine out of ten times when you get scammed especially in financial markets it's your fault nine out of ten times i'm telling you this i've been in financial markets for a very long time now i have not yet come across a scammy story that did not also rely on you falling for the scam for anyone to take your money and scam you you have to do the offering you have to give them your money learn 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 to equip yourself right we spoke about this in the previous episodes you want to get more money Akkad, the richest man in babylon brings it up as you have to get to a point where you increase your skill set so that's why at 365 trading academy we don't do account management we don't in uh, you know trade on people's behalf we equipped people we give you the knowledge-based skill sets to handle your own finances it's absolutely important that you learn that you become the expert in handling your gold right and number five gold flees the man who would force it to impossible earnings or who follow with the alluring advice of tricksters and schemers or who trust it to his own inexperience and romantic ideas in investment right so so that's what we got from the five laws of gold yesterday today's chapter uh the gold lender of babylon chapter six the gold lender of Babylon, Babylon, tomato, tomorrow. 50 pieces of gold. Never before had Rhonda, the spear maker of Babylon, carried so much gold in his leather wallet. Happily down the king's highway from the palace of his most liberal majesty, he strode. Cheerful, the gold clinked as his as the wallet at his belt swayed with each step. The sweet music he had he had ever heard. 50 pieces of gold all his he could hardly realize his god his good fortune what power in those clinking discs they could purchase anything he wanted a grand house land cattle camels horses chariots whatever he might desire what use should he make of it this evening as he 
turned into a side street toward the home of his sister. He could think of nothing he would rather possess than the same glittering heavy pieces of gold he's to keep. It was upon an evening some days later that a perplexed, that a perplexed Rodan entered the shop of Mathon, the leader of gold dealer in jewels and rare fabrics. Glancing neither to the right nor to the left at the colorful articles artfully displayed, he passed through the living quarters at the rear. Here he found the gentle Mathon lounging upon a rug, partaking of a meal served by a black slave. I think I addressed the slave thing yesterday. I would counsel with thee, for I know not what to do. Radon stood studiedly feet apart, hairy breast exposed by the gaping of his leather jacket. Marthon's narrow swallow face smiled, a friendly greeting. What indiscretions hast thou done that thou wouldst seek the lender of gold? Has been unlucky at a gaming table, or had some pump them entangled thee? For many years I have known thee, yet never hast thou sought me to aid thee in their troubles. So this guy's got a lot of gold. He's just made a lot of gold from his living, selling spears, right? And then he goes to visit Mathon, who, by the way, is a guy who lends gold. So he's like the typical loan shark, but maybe legitimized back then but he basically is a gold lender and they're like look you've never come to borrow gold so why are you here basically no 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 not such as that i seek no gold instead i crave thy wise advice hear hear what this man doth say no one comes to the lender of gold for advice my ears must play me false they listen true can this be so run and the spear maker dot a uh, display more cunning than all the rest, for he comes to Mathon, not for gold, but for advice. Many men come for me for gold to pay their follies, but as for advice, they want it not. Yet, who is more able to advise than the lender of gold to whom many men come in trouble? Thou shalt eat with me, Rondon, he continued. Thou shalt be my guest for the evening, Ando. He commanded the black slave, draw up a rug for my friend Rodan, the spear maker who comes for advice. He shall be my honored guest. Bring to him much food and get for him my largest cup. Choose well for the best wine that he may have satisfaction in the drinking. Now tell me what troubles thee. It's the king's gift, the king's gift. The king did make thee a gift, and it gives me thee trouble. What manner of gift? Because he was much pleased with the design I did to submit for a new point of the spears of the royal guard, he did present me with 50 pieces of gold, and now I am perplexed. I, I am beseeched each hour the sun doth travel across the sky, but those who would share it with me. That is natural. More men want gold than they have it, and would wish one who comes by it easily to divide. But can you not say, no, it's thy will not as strong as thy fist? To many I can say no, yet sometimes it would be easier to say yes. Can one refuse to share with one's sister to whom he is deeply devoted? Surely thy sister would not wish to deprive thee of enjoying thy reward. But it is for the sake of Araman, her husband, who she wishes to see a rich merchant. She does feel that he has never had a chance, and she beseeched me to loan to him 
he, this gold that he may be a prosperous merchant and repay me from his profit. So basically, look man, I've got a lot of gold. It's my first time having a lot of gold and I don't know what to do with it because my sister, whom I love, my only sister, has come to me asking for some of my gold for her husband. Her husband is a merchant and he wants to borrow the gold so he can grow his merchant business and then pay me back in profits, uh, etc. Okay, my friend resumed Mathon. It's a worthy subject thou bringest to discuss. Gold bringeth unto its possessor responsibility. Where are my highlighters? I think the cleaning stuff. The one thing I hate is don't touch the office, uh, the stuff on the table anyways. Um, and, and sometimes it can get messy. But anyways, I found it. Sorry about that. Look, so he says, my friend, resumed method. It is a worthy subject thou bringeth to discuss. Gold bringeth unto its possessor responsibility and a change position with his fellow men it bringeth fear lest he lose it or be tricked away from him you know when we're talking about trading this is important very big part of trading psychology but we'll teach it very properly when the time comes it bringeth a feeling of power and the ability to do good likewise it bringeth opportunities whereby his very good intentions may bring him into difficulties this ever here, the farmer of, 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 of Neva, or Naive, sorry, Naiva, who could understand the language of animals. I wot I not for it's not the kind of tale men like to tell over the bronze caster forge. I will tell it to thee, for thou should know that to borrowing and lending there is more than the passing of gold from the hands of one to the hands of another. From borrowing and lending, so much more is happening than just passing money from one end to another. This farmer could understand what the animals said to each other. Did it did linger in the farmyard uh, 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 each evening just to listen to their words. One evening he did hear the ox bemoaning to the ass the hardness of his lot. I do labor, says the ox. Pulling the plow from the morning until night. No matter how hot the day or how tired my legs or how bow doth chafe my neck, still must I work. But you are a creature of leisure. You are trapped with a colorful blanket and do nothing more than carry our master about where he wishes to go. Ox versus donkey. When he goes nowhere, you do rest and eats the green grass all day. Now the ass, in spite of his vicious heels, uh, you know, you know, uh, was a good fellow and sympathized with the ox. My good friend, he replied, you do work very hard and I would, I would help ease your lot. Therefore, will I tell you how you may have a day of rest. In the morning, when the slave comes to fetch you to the plow, lie upon the ground and bellow much that he might say you are sick and cannot work. So the ox took the advice of the ass, and the next morning the slave returned to the farmer and told him the ox was sick and could not pull the plow. Then said the farmer, hitch the ass to the plow, for the plowing must go on. All that day the ass, who had intended to help his friend, found himself compelled to do the ox tasks. When the night came, I, you, know, you guys saw you know, in episode one, and I apologize for interjecting, in episode one, um, I showed you that I had two copies of this book. I had the original copy that my old man bought for me when I was 13 years of age. I swear to you, for some reason, the story cracks him up so hard. Like, you should see 
<laughs> how dramatic he gets. Like, this is, like, very funny to my dad. The fact that, you know, this donkey told the ox, you know, pretend you're sick. And all of a sudden, it's the donkey the very next day doing all the work. Right, so, so, so it's just a memory, like the first time he read it out loud where he was just dying in tears, like he really found this funny. All that day the ass had only intended to help his friend, found himself compelled to do the ox task. When night came and he was released from the plow, his heart was bitter and his legs were weary and his neck was sore where the bow had chafed it. The farmer lingered in the barnyard to listen. The ox began, you are my good friend, because of your wise advice I enjoyed a day of rest, and I retorted, and, and I retorted the ass, am like many other simple hearted one who starts to help a friend and ends up by doing his tasks for him. Hereafter you draw your own plow, for I did hear the master tell the slave to send the butcher where you sick again. I wish he would, for you are a lazy fellow. Thereafter they spoke to each other no more. This ended their friendship. Canst thou tell the moral of this tale, Rondon? It's a good tale, responded Rondon, but I see I but I see not the moral. I thought not that you would, but it is there simple too. Just this if you desire to help thy friend, do so in a way that will not bring thy friend's burdens upon themselves. Uh, you know, I, I, I like to help um, where I can, um, and it comes from a place of two things. Number one, I enjoy planting seeds because I never know where I'm going to rip, so I'm very intentional when I help. When I help people, it's because I believe that um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, principles of science of getting rich always do more for someone than you ever get in cash value. Um, the one thing I never do, especially within the academy, you know, and it's been very difficult for some people, you know, over the years, is I never borrow students' money. I, I never get into a financial transaction. I never, ever, ever, ever want to, you know, be someone's mentor, but also their loan person because it, it actually interferes with that particular relationship. And I think that's part of the story here. Like, it's like, listen, man, if you desire to help thy friend, do so in a way that will not bring thy friend's burdens upon thyself. I had not thought of that. It's a wise moral. I wish not to assume the burdens of my sister's husband. But tell me, you lend to many. Do not the borrowers repay? Mathon smiled, the smile of one whose soul is rich with experience. Could a loan be well made if the borrower cannot repay? Must not the lender be wise and judge carefully whether his gold can perform a useful purpose to the borrower and return to him once more, or whether it will be wasted by unable to you by one unable to use it wisely and leave him without his treasure and leave the borrower with a debt he cannot repay? That's a very interesting, very important point, right? So this guy is saying, look, I do borrow people money, but I'm very wise about who I borrow. I need to make sure it's productive. We just did the five laws of gold. Make sure wherever you put your gold, it multiplies and comes back. Make sure it's based on the wise counsel of people who actually know what they're doing. So this guy's life's purpose is to borrow people gold. And he's saying, well, would it be gold can perform, you know, can a loan be well made if the borrower cannot be repaid? All right. So that's quite important. I'll show to thee these tokens in my token chest and let them tell thee of their stories. In the room, he brought a chest, 
as long as his arm covered with red pig skin and ornamented with bronze design. He placed it upon the floor and squatted before it, both hands upon the lid. For each person to whom I lend, I do a exact a token from my token chest to remain there until the loan is repaid. When they repay, I give it back. But if they never repay, it will always remind me of one who is not faithful to my confidence. The safest loans, my token box tells me, are, the, are those who, whose possessions are of more value than the one they desire. They own lands or jewels or camels or other things which could be sold to repay the loan. So this guy gets security. He gets some type of security before he gives out that money. You want a hundred dollars, I'm gonna take something with three hundred dollars from you and then you 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 when you pay me back my hundred bucks you can keep your asset. If you don't pay me back my hundred bucks, I'm gonna sell that thing for three hundred dollars so I can get back how much it is that you actually owe me right so that's pretty much what i'm getting out of this some of the tokens given to me are jewels of more value than the loan others are promises that if the loan do not repay as agreed they will deliver to me certain property settlement on loans like those i am assured that my gold will be returned with the rental thereon for the loan is based on property the loan is based on property Another class are those who have the capacity to earn. They are such as you who labor or serve and paid. They have, they have income and if they are honest and suffer no misfortune, I know they also can repay the gold I can loan them and the rental to which I am entitled uh, 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 which loans are based on human effort. Others are those who have neither property nor assured any capacity. Life is hard, and there will be always be more who cannot adjust themselves to it. Alas for the loans, I make them, even though they will be longer than a penance. My token box may you know, censure me in the years to come unless they are granted by a good friend of the borrower who know him honorable. Mathon released the, 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 the claps and opened the lid, rode and leaned forward eagerly. At the top of the chest, a bronze neck piece lay upon a scarlet cloth. Mathon picked up the piece and, 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 and patted it affectionately. This shall always remain in my token chest because the owner has passed on into great darkness. I treasure it, his token, and I treasure his memory, for he was my good friend. We traded together with much success until out of the east he brought a woman to wed beautiful but not like our women a dazzling creature he spent his gold lavishing to gratify her desires he came to me in distress when his gold was gone i counseled him i told him i would help him to to once more master his own affairs he saw by the sign of the great bull that he would but it was not to be. In a quarrel, she thrust a knife into the heart he dared, he dared her to pierce. And she questioned Brandon. Yes, of course, th this was hers. He picked up the skeleton cloth. In bitter remorse, she threw herself into the Euphorites, their enemies. Uh, these loans will never be repaid. The chest tells you, Rodan, that humans in the thrones of great emotions are not safe risk. For a gold lender. Here now, this is different. 
he reached for a ring carved of ox bone. This belongs to a farmer. I buy rugs. I buy rugs of his woman. The locusts came and they had not food. I helped him and when the new crop came, he repaid me. Later he came again and told of strange goats in a distant land and described by a traveler. They had long hair so fine and so soft it would weave into rugs more beautiful than any other scene. In Babylon, he wanted a herd but he had no money, so I did lend him gold to make the journey bring back goats. Now his herd is begun, and next year I shall surprise the lords of Babylon with the most expensive rugs it has, it, it has been their good fortune to buy. Soon I must return his ring. He doth insist on repaying promptly. Some borrowers do that, quiet, Rodan. If they borrow for purposes that bring money back to them, I find it so. But if they borrow because of their, their indiscretions, I warn thee to be cautious if thou wouldst ever have thy gold back in hand. Tell me about this requested Rodan. Picking up a heavy gold uh, inset with jewels in rare signs, the women do appeal to my good friend, uh, you know, bantered Manoth. I'm still very young, younger than you, retorted Rodan. I grant that, but this time thou dost suspicion romance where it is not. The owner of this is fat and wrinkled, doth talk so much and say little, she drives me mad. Once they had much money and were good customers, but ill cub, ill times came upon them. She has a son of whom she would make a merchant, so she came to me and borrowed gold that he might become a partner of a caravan owner who travels with his camels battering in, the, in one city. What he buys in, in a, what, sorry, so she came to me and borrowed gold that he might become a partner of a caravan owner who travels with his camels battering in one city what he buys in another. All right, so good friend, friend got six, friend lost riches, wife comes to him, can I borrow gold to get our bounce back, etc., etc. This man proved a rascal, for he left the poor boy in a distant city without money, without friends, pulling out early while the youth slept. Perhaps when his youth has grown to manhood he will repay until then i get no rental for the loan only much talk but i do admit the jewels are worthy of the loan did this lady ask their advice as to the wisdom of the loan quite the otherwise she had pictured you know to herself the son of hers as a wealthy and powerful man of Babylon. To suggest the contrary was to infuriate her. A fair rebuke I had. I knew the risk of this inexperienced boy, but as she offered security, I could not refuse her. This man, continued Mathon, waving a bit of a pack, a pack rope tied into a knot, belongs to Nebuta, the camel trader. When he could buy a head larger than his, his funds, he brings to me this knot and I lend him according to his needs. He is, he's, he is a wise trader. I have, conf I have confidence in his judgment and can lend him freely. 
Many other merchants of Babylon have my confidence because of their honorable behavior. Their, to, their tokens come and go frequently in my box. Good merchants are an asset in our city and in profits for me to aid them to keep trade moving that Babylon be prosperous. Mathan picked up a bit of carved in toycoys and tossed it contemptuously on the floor. A bag from Egypt. He led, the lad who owns this desire. Right. The lad who owns this, this does not care whether I have received back my gold. When I reapproach him, he replies, How can I replay with how can I replay when fate pursues me? You have plenty more. What can I do? The token to his father, a worthy man of small means who did pledge his land and heard to back his son's enterprise. The youth found success at first and then was the overzealous to gain great wealth. His knowledge was immature. His enterprises collapsed. Youth is ambitious. Youth would take cuts to wealth and the desirable things for which it stands to secure wealth quickly. Youth often borrows under wisely. Youth never had the experience, cannot realize that hopeless debt. Goodness gracious. Hope, I mean, I'll put this on a t-shirt because I was that youth. Um, um, yeah, I, yeah, debt, guys. Talk about this another time. Youth never having had experience cannot realize that hopeless debt is like a deep pit into which one may descend quickly and where, no, where, where one may struggle vainly for many days. It is a pit of sorrow, regrets, where the brightness of the sun is overcast. Night is made upon unhappy by relentless sleeping. Yet I do not discourage borrowing of gold. I encourage it. I recommend it be for wise purpose. You know, when I was looking at the stats about the top millionaires in in America, so so, you know, just just to share, like, because my partner and I sat down about two weeks ago in mid January, and every year she asks me like, what's my year looking like? What do I want to do with three six five trading academy? What do I want to do with three six five trading corporation? Um, is this the year we're going to get into our third business venture? We're going to be starting something together. Um, completely outside of trading, right? Um, something that I, I know she will be a master of. So, so I'm looking forward to, to, to that venture. But anyways, I brought up, you know, my, 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 my usual long list of things I want to accomplish. I always have more things to do than time, than, than days in my life. And I think for me, that's good. I always have stuff to do, lots of stuff to do. So I want to, I want to move back. I, I, I want to go back and get another master's degree. Right, so, so, so PhD or not, it really doesn't matter. Learning and acquiring information is ecstatically painful. I still want to finish my PhD, but I'd also want to kind of like uh, zone into another master's degree around something specific to do with the academy. Outside of that, uh, I think it would be very cool to do a business administration. And my thesis would be very similar to what this one guy did. This one guy literally with a camera, tape recorder, uh, I spent a lot of time. I mean, one of the 
three, we're going to do four books of Dr. Joseph Murphy. Dr. Joseph Murphy did his PhD on wealth creation and just using the mind. Think and grow rich. The science of getting rich. Our entire PhD around that stuff. Curing mental antidote. And I want to do something similar with my... So, so, my, so my MBA would be separate from my, my previous master's in industrial economic sociology. And, and in this particular one, I want to sit down with as many wealthy people and just talk to them. So to be structured, qualitative, uh, you know, research and just, just, just get it. Because, uh, you know, when I was reading someone who did something similar, but he wrote a book around it, right? Most wealthy people use debt in the smartest way possible. So I hate debt, and when I say I hate debt, I never expand on it because for now, until we're all at the same level where we know what we know and our knowledge is growing, I don't want to like, 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 you know, confuse too many people. But there is such a beautiful, smart way of using the bank's money against the banks to get what you want and grow. It's enormously debt is a big tool for very wealthy people in how they advance forward right so he's saying the youth youth is ambitious right and you can you can tell you can swap the word youth for ignorant sometimes you're ignorant i was extremely youthful and ignorant around finances a while back so youth is ambitious youth is, youth will take shortcuts to wealth and the desirable things for which it stands to secure wealth quickly to secure wealth quickly youth often borrows unwisely there is an unwise way of doing this i mean i look at people let's say you've got a good job and i'm not this is not financial advice not financial it's not financial Advice. It's not financial advice, but let me just quickly look at the charts. Let me just quickly look at the charts. You've got a good job. You've been working at a good job for two to three to four years. You don't have bad bills and you're looking at the crypto markets and Bitcoin is now half its previous all-time high value. Bitcoin has dropped by 50%. Ethereum is in the low 1,000 US dollars and you've got a good job and then you go to the bank and you work out a two-year personal loan. Let's say, I don't know, not financial advice. This is just me. Look, I'm a trader. Can I tell you that if those of you read the the adventures, the adventures of a currency trader by Rob Booker, you will learn why JPY is a safe haven. Right? JPY is a safe haven because that country borrows institutions and banks and hedge funds across the world a lot of money. Smart trading institutions get that money because they're going to pay such a low interest rate back to Japan, reinvest and trade with that enormous capital because uh, because trading fundamentally remember allows you to use leverage and so you're paying back you know making up numbers here 10 million bucks at less than one percent on the interest rate and flipping the 10 million bucks to 90 million us dollars it's 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 it's, it's an everyday life game thing right so you're not using your capital it's borrowed capital well, we can talk about in real estate the same game is played that way so he's saying look man to secure wealth quickly youth often borrows unwisely all right, so oh, my example, by the way, you've got a good job and you get a personal loan for 250,000 rands, you know, in a South African bank, whatever, and they approve of it and you, you, you sign some terms uh, where you'll have to pay back the loan fully within three to five years, you know, something like that. You work out your costs, etc. Can you, with your current salary, the current way of living, make it and you take that money lump sum and you just 
hold. You just buy the dip. Within the first year of that, you can pay back the loan. Not only does that improve your credit score phenomenally, like your credit score goes up the roof because damn, we want to do it. But now, if, if, if you take the 365 Traders course or whatever course you're doing to read charts properly, you could do that for at least three to four for five years. Right, so if you borrow from the bank, 200k, 100k, 250k, five times in the period of three years and you keep paying it back like that, right? So you've taken from the bank a million bucks to create a ridiculous, enormous amount of wealth. This is not a hypothesis, right? I've told some of you and they did it. They fit the criteria. It, it, it works very well, right? There's another way to borrow money for other things. And I think that's what he's trying to do. Okay, so I'll, I'll just get back to the book. But he's busy saying to secure wealth quickly, often youth borrows unwisely. Youth never having had experience cannot realize that hopeless debt for cars. Hopeless debt is like a deep pit in which one may descend quickly and where one may struggle vainly for many days. It is a pit of sorrow and regrets where the brightness of the sun is overcast and night is made unhappy but restless sleeping. Yet I do not discourage borrowing gold. I encourage it. I recommend it for a wise purpose. I myself made my first real success as a merchant with borrowed gold. Yet what should the lender do in such a case? The youth is in despair and accomplishes nothing. He is discouraged. He makes no effort to repay. My heart turns against depriving the father of his land and cattle. You tell me much that I'm interested in hearing, ventured Roden. But I hear no answer to my question. Should I lend my 50 pieces of gold to my sister's husband? They mean much to me. Thy sister is a sterling woman whom I do much esteem. Should a husband come to me and ask to borrow 50 pieces of gold, I should ask him for what purpose he would use it. If he answered that he desired to become a merchant, like myself, and deal in jewels and rich furnishings, I would say, what knowledge have you of the ways of trade? Do you know where you can buy at low cost? Do you know where you can sell at fair price? He could say yes to these questions. No, he could not, Rodin admitted. He has helped me much in making spears and has helped me shop in the shops. Then would I say to him that his purpose was not wise. Merchants must learn their trade. His ambition, though worthy, is not practical and I would not lend him any gold. But supposing he could say, yes, I've helped merchants much, I, I know how to travel to, to, to Samaria and to buy low cost, the rugs and the house weave, wives weave. I also know many of the rich people of Babylon to whom I can sell at a large profit. Then I would say your purpose is wise and your ambition honorable. I shall be glad to lend you 50 pieces of gold if you give me security that they will be returned. But would he say I have no security other than I am I'm an honored man and will pay you well for the loan? Then I would reply, I treasure much the piece of gold where the robbers to take it from you as you journey to Samaria or the rugs from you as you return. Then you would not have no means of repaying me and the gold will be gone. Gold, you see, Roden, is the merchandise of the lender of money. It is easy to lend. It is lent if it is lent unwisely, it is difficult to get back. The wise lender wishes not to risk, uh, not the risk of undertaking, but the guarantee of safe repayment. 
It's well, he continued, to assist those who are in trouble. It's well to help those who form fate has laid a heavy hand. It is well to help those who are starting that they may progress and become valuable citizens. But help must be given wisely, least like the farmers as in our desire to help we but take upon ourselves the burden that belongs to another. Again, I won from thy question, Rodan, but hear my answer. Keep thy fifty pieces of gold. What thy labor earns for thee and what is given thee for thy reward is thy own and no man can put an obligation upon thee to part it unless if do be thy wish. If thee wilt lend it so that it may earn thee more gold, then learn with caution and in many places. I like not idle gold, even less I like too much risk. How many years hast thou labored as a spear maker? Fully three. How much besides the king's gift hast thou saved? Three gold pieces. Each year thou hast labored, thou hast denied thyself good things to save thy earnings one piece of gold. So for three years he only saved one piece of gold uh, per year. It's as you say. Then might have save in 50 years of labor 50 pieces of gold of thy self-denial. A lifetime of labor it would be. Thinkest thou thy sister would wish to jeopardize the savings of 50 years of labor of bronze melting pot that her husband might experiment on being a merchant? Not if I spoke in your words. Then go to and say, three years have I labored each day. Uh, each day except fast days, from morning until night, and I've denied myself many things that I, my heart craved. For each year of labor and self-denial, I have showed, I have to show one piece of gold. Thou art my favorite sister, and I wish thy husband may engage in business which he will prosper greatly. If he will submit to me a plan that seems wise and possible, my friend Mathen, then will I gladly lend to him my savings of an entire year, which is one gold, that he may have opportunity to prove that he can succeed. Do that, I say, and if it, if it hears within him the soul to succeed, he can prove it. If he fails, he will not owe thee more than one more than he can hope to, to someday repay. I am a gold lender because I own more gold than I can use in my own trade. I desire my surplus gold to labor for others and thereby earn more gold. I do not wish to take risk of losing my gold for I have labored much and denied myself much to secure it. Therefore, I will no longer lend any of it where I am not confident that it is safe and will be returned to me. Neither will... I lend it where I am not convinced that its earnings will be promptly paid. I have told to thee, Roden, a few of the secrets of my token chest. From them you may understand weakness of men and their eagerness to borrow from which they have no certain means to repay. From this you can see how often thy high hopes of great earnings they could make if they but had gold but false hopes they have not the ability of training to fulfill. Thou, Roden, now have gold which should thou put 
to earning more gold for thee. Put your gold to work. Thou art but to become even as I a gold lender. If thou dost safely preserve thy treasure, it will produce liberal earnings for thee and be a rich source of pleasure and profit during all thy days. But if thou dost let it escape from thee, it will be a source of constant sorrow and regret as long as thy memory doth last. What dearest thou most of thy gold in thy wallet to keep it safe? Wisely spoken. Okay, wisely spoken. Um, um, you know, replied Mammoth, proving thy first desire is for safety. Thinkest thou that in the custody of thy sister's husband it would be truly safe from possible loss? I fear not, for he is not wise in guiding gold. Then be not swayed by foolish sentiments of obligations to trust thy treasure to any person. If thou wouldst help thy family or thy friends, find other ways than risking the loss of thy treasure. Forget not that gold slippeth away in unexpected ways from those unskilled in guarding it, as well as wasted thy treasure in extravagance as let others lose it for thee. What next after safety does desire of his treasure of thine? That it earn more gold. So what do you want more from this? I want my gold to make more gold. Again, thou speakest with wisdom. It should be made to earn and grow larger. Gold wisely learnt may even double itself with the earnings before a man like you groweth old. If you risk losing it, you risk losing all that you would have earned as well. Therefore, be not swayed by the fantastic plans of an impractical man who think they see ways to force thy gold to make earnings unusually large. Such plans are creations of dreamers unskilled in the safe and dependable laws of trade. Be conservative in what thou expect it to earn, thou, thou mayest keep and enjoy the treasure to hire it out uh, uh, with the promise of, you know, useless returns is to invite loss. Seek to associate thyself with men and enter and enterprises whose success is established that thy treasure may earn liberal under their skillful use and be guarded safely by their wisdom and experience. Thou mayest thou avoid the misfortunes that follow most of the sons of men to whom God sees fit to entrust gold. When Rodan would thank him for his wise advice, he would not listen, saying, The king's gift shall teach thee much wisdom. It would keep thy fifty pieces of gold, thou would be discreet indeed. Many uses will tempt thee. Much advice will be spoken to thee. Numerous opportunities to make large profits will be offered thee. The stories from, the, from my token box should warn thee before thou let any piece of gold leave thy pouch to be sure that thou hast a safe way to pull it back again. Should any advice appeal to thee, return again. It is gladly given. Ere thou goest read, this which I have carved beneath the lid of my token box. It applies equally to the borrower and to the lender. And what was carved there says, better a little caution than a great regret. 365, everybody, we are done with chapter 6. I mean, I mean, tomorrow I can give you guys a recap. I normally read the chapter and then before I start the next day, I go through the chapter again by myself just to create, you know, a quick summary. Um, but, but the basic take home is be careful what you're doing with your money. The book assumes 
by the way, that these are lifelong lessons. The book assumes that a year from now, when you've started your 10% rule and you've started to, 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 to make your money, make money for you, that you'll have spent almost a year to two years applying the seven cures of a lean purse. Make thy gold fatten. Um, 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 make thy gold multiply. Seeking advice on how to invest better. Growing your funds. And now you're at a point like this man who finally has a lot of money. Who finally can now see the fruit of his labor. Right? Three, four years, one year down the line, later on. Or, or stroke of luck. Right? We spoke about luck earlier on. Where all of a sudden a sum of money lands in your lap. And this book is just giving you a projection of time. That at some point in time you will get to the stage in your life where you actually have 50 pieces of gold quote unquote right when you actually have money and what to do with it right the temptation to to do abc and how to handle that right so thank you for the old wisdom i appreciate you guys for tuning in thank you for listening on spotify on the youtube channel i appreciate every single one of you join me tomorrow sunday as we look at chapter seven the walls of babylon and as we slowly but surely move towards the end of this book i give or take about five days from now we'll be done with this interesting book, difficult to read out loud, I won't even lie, um, but I, I still love it, I still love it, right? Enjoy your day, 365, shake my hand, I appreciate you, and see you in the next one. Peace.